With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the BSN Denver Buffs Podcast. Powered by the BSN Denver Podcast Network. Scott's there for the rebound. Some wild play back and forth here. King on the wing. Three-point shot. Good! On the three-point line. Gets it off to Alonzo Trier over George King. No good. Dobby got him for the rebound. Go out of the way. Go out of the way. They upset ninth ranked Arizona. The fans are on the court. Taking you beyond the hardwood and inside the locker room. Up top is Alonzo Trier, guarded by King, drives, right hand, blocked mid-time by Josh Scott! He said no! And he had none of that one. Big block by Thomas Akizili on Taylor, and Akizili stares him down after. You're the number one cop on the force, Akizili. From Scott goes inside with a right hand and finishes off the glass. Great finish from Dominique Collier, who would... Chapman goes to Reyes on a high-low. It's blocked by Thomas Akizili. Second block for Thomas Akizili. And I got news for you, Tommy. You're back on the case. Now, here are your hosts, Ryan Konigsberg, Jake Shapiro, and William Whalen. Welcome into the BSN Buffs podcast. And, man, I'm pumped. I've got my boy, Will Whalen, my boy, Ryan Konigsberg, Jake Shapiro. We're Why are you back standing? To you. You're I'm, I'm excited, guys. We're talking about <laughs> basketball again. It's November. We've been waiting for November. Well, we actually haven't been waiting for November this year like most years, but uh, it's still exciting. A lot of uh, a huge sanction of Buffs Twitter uh, gets very excited over the basketball team. And, uh, We've got some weird phrasing so are far. Are you looking this for show. section? Section. Section. Facade. That was my facade. <laughs> uh, a huge section of Buffs Twitter really loves Tad Boyle and the basketball team as they should. Last year they had a phenomenal year. This year they look to have a phenomenal year too. But hey, if you're looking to get in the action on the basketball betting, there's only one place to go, and that's mybookie.lv. Uh, basketball fans are flooding the marketplace, putting big action on the basketball games. And then they have to wait weeks to collect their cash. There's nothing more frustrating. And that's why thousands of online players are going to mybookie.lv. They offer real Las Vegas odds, incredible player props, and live in-game action with odds updated in real time. And as we just told you, fast, no hassle payouts when you win. Join now, and they'll match your first deposit dollar for dollar up to $1,000. Get an extra 10% bonus on top of that when you sign up and deposit today. Just make sure you use promo code BSNDenver. Activate the offer with promo code BSNDenver. Expert or rookie, you got to go check out mybookie.lv. But guys, I'm just confirming. So they are, and they didn't cancel the basketball season. It's it's on for sure. <laughs> no, I've they, heard uh, mixed, mixed rumors. <laughs> mixed rumors, Ryan. I thought they were just gonna be like, oh, we're good. AD's good. We've been selling tons of tickets, and we made them really expensive, and we don't <laughs> even need any other sports anymore. I have been asked if we canceled coverage of the basketball season, but fret not, we uh we have not uh, by way of this podcast. You should also fret not because these Buffalo boys are a hardy bunch. <laughs> that is no, uh, still no. that is still to be debated, uh, and we're going to start talking about that the, where the team is this year. But first, I think you got to look out on last year a little bit to to sum up the year. 
Uh, obviously, we've talked a little bit about it in the offseason where the Buffs finished last year, uh, how everything went down for them. Uh, Josh Scott was such a great player in this program, the little fundamental, as uh, Ben Burroughs dubbed him in his massive season preview. That's right. an apt uh, comparison, and I think that's going to be such a huge loss, uh, both physically and in terms of uh, a role. I mean, there's no doubt about it. This is a change in the guard, 100%. You talk about the era. I, apparently, by the way, somebody was giving me uh, crap for how I say era recently. It, that it sounds like era. Era. That it sounds like era. But anyways, wait. Uh, what were you trying I, to say? So it's the it's a changing of the guard. I'll say it like that. Uh, from Josh Scott. Josh Scott was really kind of as good as Spencer Dinwiddie was for Tad Boyle. Josh Scott was the cornerstone uh, that Tad Boyle built his program on. He was an in-state recruit and a, a big guy. You know, I mean, there's only so many of those you can get. And so Josh Scott moving on changes things, obviously. And there's a huge burrito debate or something going on right next to me. I'm not – Jake got mad at me because I dropped – or Jake got mad at me because I dropped the mic. Not, like, in the, a literal sense. <laughs> That's what those clicks were the last few seconds. It was Ryan getting his burrito and Do your job and just edit them out. It's really hard to edit those out. And no, now you if he edits them out, this is going to sound super <laughs> awkward. You literally just delete it. Allie's stealing fries. Anyways, me. Josh Scott. Wait, hold on. I forgot <laughs> to say this. Only basketball podcast, football podcast coming later uh, today or yes. tomorrow. Depending I, uh, on when I this. But regular football podcast. Right, Ryan, I'm, I'm curious to your thought on this. Does this kind of feel – does this feel weird? And it's not just because all of a sudden – basketball season's upon us when we've been paying more attention to a good football team than maybe we have in a while or whatever. Like Not just the circumstance that we're starting this season under with so much attention being on the number 12 ranked University of Colorado Buffalo's football program, but the personnel. I mean, Tad's first two classes are his first three classes other than XJ and Wes are gone, but neither of them were the cornerstone of that 2012 class. This feels – it feels kind of weird. The weird thing that it feels to me is the Buffs just lost probably a top three player in the Tad Boyle era, and, son, and somehow the expectations are higher than yeah. they maybe ever were with Josh in the fold. And so it is weird. It's a – I don't know. I, I think it's going to take a little bit of time for people to learn to love this team. I totally it's agree. almost like a group of strangers. Um, I think know. it's going to take a little bit of time for them to love themselves in a way, too. It, it seems like there's going to be a lot of learning process, both from a fan's perspective and from this team's perspective, just because, you know, you lose your leader in Josh Scott, and it, it hurts. And as my mom always told me when I was young, if you don't love yourself, no one can love you. <laughs> so, Well, I mean, think about the guys that you've got on this team and the role they're filling this year and how – completely unknown they are to so much of the fan base george king comes on the scene a year ago and is a you know the pac-12 most improved player but i think there's still a lot of people out there that are skeptical whether he can do it again i'm and, raising my hand right i mean other than that even your even your returners you talk about xavier johnson you talk about west gordon neither of them will have played a role like this before xj coming off of a season-ending injury a year ago and Wes Gordon being the man underneath. It, there's so much unknown about this team, and you're right. The expectations are so high. 
And I think, honestly, I think that's because of us and, and other people that have covered this team. We've talked about the explosiveness of a guy like Derek White, who I know we'll talk more of uh, later on in the show. We've talked about the explosiveness of some of the freshmen and the veteran qualities that this kind of team has. But we have no idea, come conference play, what in the hell this team is going to look like. And there are a lot of questions to be answered. And that's why I'm kind of worried about this year, about people losing interest early on. If this team kind of stumbles out of the gate a couple times, I'm not talking about losing to Sacramento State, but if they stumble out of the gate, do Buffs fans have the patience to stick with them this year after they just spent an entire football season engaged and enthusiastic? We've already learned that Buffs fans as a whole don't really give a crap about basketball. And as soon as they falter, especially now that there's a good football team to fall back on, people are going to tune out because you look at this team last year was one of the most, maybe the most entertaining Boyle team there was. It took the entire year to get the fan base on board just because the year before was a bit of a disappointment. That was with a bad football program. Now you've got the football program producing, exciting everyone. If they do stumble out of the gate, it's going to take until, you know, they start doing almost, they're going to have to have a signature win before people jump back on board. And I'm going to say this. I think the buffs, uh, the expectations are warranted. I wrote that in my preview for the season. I think this team's a very good basketball team with a lot of talent. However, I think they're going to struggle coming out of the gate. I think they're not going to be the team people think they are right away. I think they'll be that team in January, but I don't think they're going to be that team on Dece- you know, November 15th, December 1st. They're not. They're not. And we've seen practice, Will. You've been to a practice. Uh, I've seen those open-door scrim- open scrimmages. I've seen enough of practice to know that this team is not there yet. They have the talent to get there, but they're not there yet. So what you can expect from this team come Friday is going to be a lot different than your expectations come when they play Oregon at home, I think, in February. Here's the thing. And I'm totally with you guys on maybe tempering expectations a little bit right out of the gate. This team also has the talent to get away with this kind of stuff. They do. They don't, ha- they don't have to be on point right now. They have a roster from top to bottom that can play. Like, there's not really any holes out there. Uh, and they have so many guys who could take over a game on a different night. You know, Wes Gordon should be averaging a double-double every night, but... If he has an off game, like XJ should be there to clean up the mess on the boards or wherever it is. They have so many guys, Derek White, uh, George King, even Josh Fortune. They have so many guys who can help a team get out of maybe a slump that I think they're going to be relatively fine coming out of this gate. But I do think people don't need to freak out if they drop one early and they play bad. I've got two questions for you guys. One, based on what Ryan said, is this the most talented team in the Tad Boyle era? Two, is it the most versatile team in the Tad Boyle era? No, and maybe. The uh, first team Tad's the first talented. team is the most talented. You have the co-all-time leading scorer in program history with a lottery pick, a guy who has proven to be a double-figure scorer uh, in the NBA. He struggled with that, of course, being Alec Burks. He struggled uh, with injuries as of late, but that's the most talented guy Boyle has ever coached. Uh, I, I don't think I can think of anybody in the Wichita State days or anywhere else that's been more talented than Alec Burks. What about that one dude from Centaurus that played in Northern Colorado? <laughs> Beitzel? Yeah. <laughs> he could get buckets, <laughs> but... <laughs> I'm just kidding. That dude could but, ball. Yeah, 
and that's the thing is that that team was so talented, but look at how long it took them to come together. That's a team that I was – so I was in San Francisco when they came to USF for that game. They were terrible. You have Andre calling a timeout when they've got no timeouts. Like, that team was really bad at times in the non-conference and even during conference play. They lost to Nebraska. They lost at Iowa State before Iowa State was good. Uh, Oklahoma was terrible. They lose to them. Now, so that's the most talented team in my mind on just pure what these guys can do individually. Um, Not by much compared to this team, but this team doesn't have a NBA guy on it. Nobody on this team is getting drafted on the lottery. All right. And are they the most versatile? That's where you can start to ask the question because that first Boyle team, honestly, they were, I mean, Austin Dufault was playing out of position. He couldn't, it wasn't that he was rotating due to his own versatility. It was because he was out of position. Um, I think that the only team that probably rivals this, quite honestly, is what you would probably have to talk about uh, 2013, 2014. The year Spencer went down. But even then, they had pretty defined positions on that team. Yeah, but they could – I think why I say that about that team is they could beat you in so many different ways. That's what I think of when I think of versus. They could, they could lock you down defensively. They could outscore you if you wanted to run. I'll, they I'll could do it all. I'll agree that sense, that this team, like that team, can beat teams in a lot of different ways and win games in a lot of different ways with that talent. And but, you have the best defender Tad's probably ever coached in his life and Andre Robertson. Who, I mean, you want to talk about versatility, at least defensively, he's the name of the game. Right, and I think that's a huge difference is that team had defensive versatility. Um, the team before that, sorry, 2012-2013, because 2013-2014 was Spencer's year, the year right. he got hurt. So we're talking about 2012-2013. But right. this team has offensive versatility. They don't quite have the defensive versatility. In fact, so much so that... I don't know who you can trust to guard people on the perimeter at this point. Uh, there's a few guys. Yeah? I think you can trust Eric White on the perimeter. Um, now, he's not you know, going to be guarding some speedy, quick little point guard, but he's sound out there. He should be sound out there at least. Um, George King is a guy you should be able to trust out there. Now, whether With him, he wants, it's about focus. Whether he wants to take the initiative to be that guy is going to be really important for this team. Um, I think XJ, once he gets into the flow of things, is a guy that you can trust defensively. Wes Gordon was so underrated as a defender last year. No doubt. So, there's guys. I mean, it's not as if this is going to be a bad defensive team, in my, in my opinion. There's a lot of questions at the point guard position. And I think, to me, that's where really most of my questions lie is, is Dom going to take the step forward that we've been waiting for his entire career or is Thomas Akizili going to leave him in the dust and become the guy that Tad Boyle saw and envisioned when they started and could it be one of the young guards stepping up to at least play a role a defensive stopper and because you know if you play for Boyle and you accept that role you'll get minutes can one of Bryce Peters or DeLeon Brown kind of take on that role and take some minutes from those guys we're going to ask those questions when we come back as well as talk about the lineup and the rotation and what it should look like for the entire season. But first, I've got to tell you about the Colorado Keg House, Dale's Pale Ale. They've got ales, nitros, IPAs, stouts, 
all of that stuff. They are the home for Colorado Craft Beer. Dill's Pale Ale is going to have to start paying us for this. They are. That's the only way I can say ale correctly. All right, let's keep going. Uh, off of 36 and Wadsworth, right next to the Broomfield Event Center, uh, where they've got some great concerts there. You can check out the Colorado Keg House. They've got 30 flat screen TVs. Uh, game's pretty late Saturday night, the, the football game. Why don't you go check them out if you've got something to do during the game or if you've got nothing to do during the day. So Colorado Great Sob w w workshop over there. If you're getting your car worked on, that's how I discovered the Ale House or the Keg House. Pardon me. It's getting my Sob worked on. <laughs> <laughs> that's great, man. We'll be right Thanks, back bro. on the BSN Buffs podcast. <laughs> Fossil Trace Golf Club is a destination for golfers across the country. Tucked into the foothills of Golden, Colorado, Fossil Trace is one of the most unique courses in America. Hole 12 was named one of the most fun 18 holes in America by Golf Digest. Fossil Trace is 5280's best golf course, and it's less than 20 minutes from downtown Denver. Go to Fossil Trace to escape the ordinary and discover the extraordinary with prehistoric and modern. Schedule your tea time up to 60 days in advance at FossilTrace.com. Preferred Organic Therapy is one of Denver's original dispensaries. They've carried a fine list of award-winning strains since 2009, and they now carry Colorado's largest selection of edibles. You'll find other things like Apothecana Oils and Creams, Marcaha Oral Tinctures, and Charlotte's Web CBD. Nobody gives you the variety that Preferred Organic Therapy does. We're conveniently located off of I-25 and Colorado Boulevard. Preferred Organic Therapy, a better way to heal. Back on the BSN Buffs podcast, and it's that time of year again. College basketball is back. We have a new opportunity for you uh, to make some serious cash. Everyone loves betting on college basketball. It's a great sport to bet on, too. Uh, the site is called mybookie.lv, and the thousands of experts and rookies are playing and winning big there. They offer real Las Vegas odds, amazing player props, and live in-game action with odds updated in real time. But the best thing about mybookie.lv is the fast, no-hassle payouts when you win. Join now and they'll match your first deposit dollar for dollar up to $1,000. Get an extra 10% on top of that when you sign up using promo code BSNDenver. That's promo code BSNDenver. Expert or rookie, you got to go check out mybookie.lv. Sign up today. Uh, guys, a lot of questions around the guards with this team. Perhaps the position with the most questions. At least for my mind, this is yep. the position with the most questions. Uh, you've got... Dominique Collier, Deleon Brown, Thomas Akiazili, Bryce Peters, all definite guards. Mitch Lombard. Love Mitch. Uh, if you don't give shout-outs to Mitch on this show again, we're going to have issues. Sorry. That was a terrible omission. I I'll tell you guy. what. But I coached Mitch uh, at a couple camps when he was in high school. That dude ate people alive. Still does sometimes. Like really good players. If he was two inches taller, he'd be at a mid-major on scholarship. He's a solid, he's a solid baller. No Boy, lie. Boykin ball. Uh, but then you've got guys like Derek White, George King, who can both play the guard position if need be. Uh, and you've got some other options Josh in there as well, like a Josh Fortune. Uh, but there are no Point real – Point guard? No. no. Point guard? <laughs> no. No, thank you. <laughs> but there are no real clear answers. And I was texting you yesterday about this, Will, uh, about how this team could really run – George King as low as on the two or as high as on the four. Uh, and they can go extremely small in a lineup where they're playing two guards, two wings, and a center who's really a power forward, like a guy like Torrey. Yep. Or they could run a lineup where they're playing three forwards, a wing, and a point guard. 
uh, and we're not sure what they're going to look like, but Tab Boyle is going to mess with these lineups, and you're going to see some strange lineups to start the year, but in terms of traditional basketball in a starting five, you know, uh, which we're going to get into and who we think are going to be the starting five, but in terms of that guard position, who's the front runner for those guard spots, and who's a guy that you think you can trust at this point? Well, look, I mean, the front runner on paper has to be Dom for the starting point guard spot. He has been a part-time or full-time starter for two seasons. He's a junior now. Uh, one look at him, you can tell his body has has gotten stronger. Um, when I've watched him since a year ago at workouts or practices, I, I do think he's getting by people better than he has in the past. Um, but I think it's really about what kind of play do you want? What What is your offensive philosophy? Dom really found his role offensively a year ago by being the guy who more times than anybody else in this team threw the entry pass to Josh Scott in the post. He benefited a lot from having a post guy and on kickouts on three-point shots. You don't really have that guy this year. I mean, Wes could evolve into it. We'll see what kind of uh, workload he'll get there, but it's not the same. I mean, Torrey's he doesn't, looks good in the post, too, but it's not But neither same. of those yeah. guys are going to really command serious uh, di diving from the perimeter guard. You know, we call it a dig. Neither one of those guys are going to be getting uh, dug at much this year. So it's going to be different. With, with Thomas Akizili, you have a guy that always wants to push the pace, has a little bit more emotion and flash to his game, uh, maybe isn't as good of a set shooter, as Dom, although I've heard that he's worked on his shot quite a bit. But nonetheless, he's just a different player. And so it's really about style of play. And how do you want to start a game? Do you want to start a game kind of running off the blocks and, and really super high energy? Or do you want a guy like Dom who's much more inclined to make the extra pass? I, I, I don't know. I just think this. I, and I said this this year or last year. And this is my question for this year as well. When Thomas made mistakes and turnovers last year, they were the mistakes and turnovers that you live with because it's a true freshman being hyper-aggressive and moving 120 miles an hour. Dom's mistakes have never been that way. They've been tentative mistakes. He's a second late because he was unsure. How have they both grown in those regards? That's what I'm waiting to see. And that'll decide for me who starts at the one. I just look at it from a, t a more traditional basketball sense. Usually your electricity guy, your energy guy, your fire guy is a guy that comes off the bench. And I thought Thomas did a really good job in that role last year. Now, history tells us that Tad Boyle is not married to that because if you remember, Skia Booker was the ultimate sixth man his freshman year, and Tad Boyle had no problem sticking him into the offensive, into the starting lineup as a sophomore and on. So... Tad's not necessarily stuck in that, but I think he will start with Dom, you know, at least to start the season. And Rodney Billups on this podcast, at least I think it was on this podcast, it might have been off the record when we met with him on this podcast, said that he thinks Dom is really about to have a really big year. And I trust him in that. I trust him in thinking that he basically said, look, Dom comes along a little bit slower than other people, and it, it, it's happened in his career maybe this is the year where it really all clicks for him and all of that talent and court vision and stuff that we saw when he was in high school comes to fruition 
So I do think Tad at least starts it with his guy. I want to be real here for a second. Dom is a guy that has all the talent in the world. He's a very good point guard uh, in terms of talent. And Dom is a guy that has gotten better quietly this offseason. He's gotten a lot better quietly. He hasn't blown me away. He hasn't been terrific in practice. He still does some of the things that has been plaguing him his entire collegiate career. Thomas Akiazili, on the other hand, at practice, once a day does something that blows me away. Does he have the same consistency as Dominique Collier, though? Not really. And, and that's, the, it, that's the difference between the two. Dominique Collier started 33 of 34 games for a reason last year. Because Dominique Collier can be a consistent piece that Tad Boyle can rely on on most nights. Tomasaki Zili, I don't think he's quite there yet. I think Tomasaki Zili is a guy in the second half of the season that's really going to push for that starting job with Dom Collier, and it's going to be between the two. Now, I want to mention this guy's name, too, for the starting point guard position because I talked about this with one of my sources today, and he told me this was a possibility, that Dom Collier could start the first 10 games of the year. Thomas Akizili could have a portion where he's the starter for about 10 games. And then a guy like Bryce Peters could come along and be that starter because Bryce Peters is so impressive with his athletic ability that he may force his way into the starting lineup despite him being a freshman and having some of those problems because he's a guy that can really push the pace and change the game with his, with his athleticism. I'll tell you what, um, that may happen. However, here's why I would be really uh, – really kind of surprised by that and disappointed when Boyle and I Boyle and I spent a really long time together this summer talking for for the huge article that I wrote about him that we released earlier in the fall should we should republish that in the next couple we, days we absolutely should repush it out and um thanks guys for throwing a little shade at me <clears throat> I don't anyways so the reason why I would be surprised is that Boyle talked to me so much about using the veteran leadership of this team guys who have been in moments in tough spots uh had leads and watched them go away saw deficits and watched them get erased guys that have been through the battles with him and i'll say this if bryce peters starts for any real stretch of the season that's a huge positive because it really talks about how good this kid is and how much trust that tad boyle has in him I would just be surprised to see that trigger pulled for an extended period of time, especially later on. Well, especially midway, you know, start of conference play, even if he gets some starts, you know, in non-conference later in conference play, we'll see. It would just, it would shock me to be honest. And what I'll say to back you on your point is that Xavier Talton all of a sudden started 10 of the last games of the year. He quietly got a little bit better as the season went along. But as to your point, you didn't say this specifically, but this is your point, and I understand it. Tad Boyle trusts the juniors and the seniors later and later in the year. He always trusts those upperclassmen, and the guys that have been around that he trusts, he just keeps going back to the well on it. And that's why a guy like Xavier Talton, who maybe didn't have as much talent as Thomas Akizili or didn't make as the, quite the spectacular play as Thomas Akizili, ended up starting for the biggest portion of the year, the most important games in the late February and March. And that's why I think a guy like Dominique Collier is going to be so important because he's the most veteran guard on this team. And the most important thing in college basketball, as we all know, is guard play. Well, if he can't stand a foul trouble and he can't stand the court, then it doesn't matter. Right. But 
I think I think the Bryce Peters storyline is an interesting one to watch. I think regardless, all you need out of Thomas, all you need out of your point guard position is you, you really just need decision making with this group. You know, I think a great stat line, if Dom Collier, say we know he's the starter from start of the year to finish or most of the year, I think a really great stat line for Dom would be eight points a game, 45% from the field, 40% from three, 80% from the line, four assists, two turnovers a game, and two rebounds. Because I want him to, I want him to have two turnovers a game. You want him to be aggressive. But that would be a really great stat line from him. And that would be something that I think CU fans could be really happy and with. And I think you'll see the turnovers tick up a little bit this year uh, because of what, some of what I've watched and some of what I've heard. Is he doesn't trust those post-entry passes as much this year because of Josh Goddison in there. It makes sense. And he's going to try and have to, and at times have to force some passes around the court to get to a guy, maybe on the three-point line or inside, and you want him to force that aggressiveness. Yes. You don't want him sitting on the mid-range for 15 seconds on the shot That's clock. That's people, like a lot of people who don't, who haven't played or coached or, or, or just been around the game at a really high level, you need, you, you need turnovers. Tad even says, he's like, if we don't have 12 turnovers a game, I bet we weren't aggressive enough. If we have more than 15, I'm pissed. You know, but that 12 to 15 range is really, really healthy. Yep. I mean, especially when you, you consider XJ is probably not going to be in a position to make plays for teammates. He's going to be a guy, if it's a turnover, it's a offensive foul or something of the like. D- Derek White is going to be in a position to make plays. You're going to have guys come off the bench. If you're getting two, 2.3 from Dom, and he's around that 2-to-1 assist-to-turnover ratio, you're fine. I think you're so happy. You're so happy because he's trying, he's looking to make plays for teammates, and with those numbers I presented, he's shooting very well from the field. Now, here's something I've been expecting for a while now, and that is late in games and maybe late in the season, more you're going to see it more. I think they're going to put the ball in Derek White's hands and let him do his thing because one he is a very smart basketball player he's gonna make that pass if it's there and two he can get his own shot so i think you're gonna see that Corey higgins role yes late in games yep. late in the season or let's just throw it to our guy and let him go to work and i, I completely this. agree and i'm glad you brought up with that because we even saw it with carlin brown the next mm-hmm. year he when he has guys that can play multiple guard positions that he knows aren't being harassed by the opposing point guard and he trusts to get them either into a play or go to work, he gives it to him. You'll see a white fortune king Miller-Gordon lineup at some point this year. As weird as that sounds, you're going to see that lineup at some point this year. Now, does Tad fi- go to the well on that lineup? I couldn't tell you, but we're going to come back. We're going to talk about who we expect to be our starting lineups as uh, in our starting lineups for the entire year, not just Friday, as well as who should be in the rotation. We're going to talk about the red shirts they were announced today. Uh, Dallas Walton was the notable one. We're going to talk about everything. We're going to talk about everything, so stick around. We'll be right back on the other side of the break. Jackson's Hole opened in March of 1977 and quickly became the place for watching sports. Almost 40 years later, and Jackson's All-American Sports Grill is keeping the reputation alive. There's 65 and 70-inch TVs everywhere. The food is still amazing, and there's almost 30 beers on tap, including our table taps that you can control at your own booth. Come down to Jackson's All-American Sports Grill in Greenwood Village off Arapahoe and I-25, the original sports grill. By staying at the forefront of cannabis genetics, cultivation, and quality control, 
The clinic provides the best cannabis you'll find. And with 50 awards, they've won more than any other dispensary in Colorado. There's also a brand new clinic location right next to the Colorado Light Rail Station. And if you bring in a ticket from the game, they'll give you 15% off your entire purchase there. Seriously, check them out. Go to the new location off Colorado or go to theclinickcolorado.com. Back on the BSN Buffs podcast and with game day on Friday, you've got to get your pregame on before you get to the game. And the perfect place to get your pregame on is the Clock Tower Grill. On Fridays, they have $3 shots. Wednesdays, they have 75-cent wings. And on Mondays, $3 Long Island iced teas. It's a really great place to get your pregame on. It's right off of the Lincoln Light Rail Station. Just, I just want a personal announcement. I've been off wings for like uh, a month now, uh, really going dry. And, uh, yeah. So Not dry just, wings, just dry. This yeah. is basically my sob car maintenance <laughs> announcement. Just a, just a personal announcement. I'm pretty proud of myself. I've been off the sauce, you know. Uh, that's the Clock Tower Grill. Stop by there. Uh, starting oh five, guys. Uh, we've already gone over our ones, uh, basically, and we all think that Dominique Collar is going to start the season at the one and probably continue to play there uh, majority. Uh, the second guy for that role is probably Tomasaki Zili. We all agree on that one. The two, I think we can all pin down as Derek White. And the reason why that is such an easy call and the reason why we've hyped him up for so long is this kid is a special basketball player. He is one of those rare three-level scorers at the college basketball level, a guy that can play uh, inside, defend inside, score from the inside easily, defend on the outside, score on the outside, and have that touch outside easily. He's a guy that can play on all of the different, in all the different facets of the game that need be, uh, and he's a real treasure that Tad Boyle found, a real diamond in the rough, all of the different metaphors that you can use. This kid is going to be the team's star this year, uh, and he's going to be making all the flashy plays, and he's going to be the guy they rely upon. And make sure that you remember while he's doing all these things that I was the first person to say any of those things. Were you? Yes. All right. You're like the guy that like slept with a celebrity before she became a celebrity. That's okay, yeah. that actually was a way better analogy than I thought <laughs> it was gonna be at first. <laughs> yeah, no, me and Adele, bro. Why'd you pick Adele? Uh, first celebrity that came to my mind. It starts with an A, so it's like <laughs> Celebrity Dictionary. I think there was Adele just playing on the No, it no wasn't. that was like L King. <laughs> oh, well, they're basically the same person. L King's Rob Schneider's daughter. Interesting. Anyways, yeah, so away Derek from White. my sex life. <laughs> Derek White is the absolute truth. Um, above all, I mean. He, he, I want to I warn people about something, though, um, with Derek White. Go ahead. I think when a lot of people out there, when they hear the praise that we've heaped upon Derek White, when they hear someone say, oh, he's the truth, they, they, they're going to assume that when they go on Friday or whenever and they watch Derek White for the first time, he's going to be snatching a rebound a foot above the rim, crossing somebody up at, in the front court or the back court, sprinting down into the front court, spinning off of somebody and dunking on two people, then stealing the inbounds pass and knocking down a three. They... They, they think they're going to see all He's of not these Brett Brady, like, theatrics. <laughs> what 
what Derek White is is a he's a complete basketball player. Yes. His handle is tight. His shooting is smooth. It's consistent. His finishing ability at the rim is at a high level. His IQ is tremendous. His decision-making is great. He takes chances when it's there. I mean, he can do everything. It's just a style of play that he's a veteran. He knows how to play. He's, he's not a five-star freshman trying to show everybody all of his highlight tricks. You know. And so I just want people to be aware that because what's going to happen is he's going to pull in. He's going to pull in a stat line at some point this year. That's eleven points on four for four shooting, four rebounds, four assists, three steals, and like something else. Like took two charges. And you and I are going to be like on Twitter talking like guys. Like, do you get it? Like, do you understand right. what this is? And there are going to be people. Who's, oh, he only scored eleven points. Right. That's, and that's what's going to piss me off about the Derek White situation. So I want all of you to be warned now that, that he's a complete player. He's not the flashiest He's player. not some lottery pick talent. No. He's not even Spencer and Witty talent in terms of, uh, you know, NBA prospect. But I think you will see some similarities to Spencer in those stat lines. Spencer had so many games where people just didn't understand why he wasn't going up the rim on every play. I think they're going to have some frustrations like that. But like you said, he's a fifth-year player. He has dominated lower levels. And now he's here, and he's going to be Tad Boyle's perfect player. Like, Tad, like Tad Boyle's love affair with Derek White is going to become so strong during this season. Yeah. Because he, he's a coach's dream. He is. We're looking at this wing position, and Tad Boyle – has always loved wings, perhaps the position he seeked most. I haven't had wings in a while, by the way. <laughs> like, as soon as you said Tad Boyle loves wings, I just look at I mean, I too once loved isn't wings. It, isn't it we, we are like, a guy like Josh Fortune had so many big games last year. He had so many big moments, and I know people got pissed off at him for turnovers. I get it. But does it feel a little insane that we're not even talking about a guy like Josh Fortune? Barely at all this year? Well, that's what I was going to say, that the wings are so ridiculous this year for Tad Boyle that really he's got White, Fortune, King, and Johnson. Johnson's still a wing in my mind, that are all starting wings. It's a swing. A swing. They're all starting. Literally, that's what it is. It's a swing forward. They're all starting in those (laughs) same position, essentially, anywhere in the Pac-12. And that's Tad Boyle's dream, is these guys with the versatility and the talent at this position. Most uh, places, yeah. And, and Josh Fortune falls into that category, and will he start at the two and the three sometimes this year? Probably. Will he start the majority of the time? No, probably not. Let's keep a count of how many times Josh Fortune dribbles this season, and then at the end of the season we'll take that counter and say, this is how many, too many times Josh Fortune <laughs> dribbled the ball. I Look, his turnover problems with the ball on the ground was the most overblown storyline of last season. No. The numbers didn't back it up. Look he at the old editor of BSN Buffs. He couldn't handle the ball. He can't handle the ball. It was literally the stats don't back you up. Okay, well, I, I use my eyes. Your eyes you lie. People in your analytics. Your eyes, you're right. Come at me about analytics. A guy who can't <laughs> add. That's the way to do it. I'm telling you, bro, the dude never dribbled himself into a good place once all season. He made a lot of mistakes driving the ball. Sure. Yes, he did. I get it. But the thing is – is A, the numbers don't back you up. B, I think this year he's going to be in a position where I, 
I don't think he was comfortable with being the secondary ball handler on that team last year. He should have because never he been. Because he shouldn't have been. But personnel dictated that he was. And he and failed. He, and it's not going to be not to the level that you will try to claim. But look, I'd he won't lo- be put in that same to, position this year. He won't. And I'm not trying to hate on Josh Fortune as the player. I think he's a hater, bro. Because, like, if he thought he was Brett Brady, he could be great. But sometimes he thinks that he's Kobe and it makes him terrible. So just be Brett Brady. Just to cut into this so people hear my voice and remember I'm on this podcast for one second, uh, Denial Ryan is top five Ryans. What am I in denial of? About your inaccuracies about Josh Fortune. Just shutting down Will, Denial Ryan. Well, I, and I think a big – I'm uh, sure that his turnover rate or whatever wasn't that high. So, but so let's, it was the moments. It was – It was the moments. That's and, what it was. Because and, nobody was paying attention to this team when he was great with the ball in his hands for 80% of the season. That, he was not great with the ball in his hands ever. He was ever. fine. He was, he he was, was just fine. Okay, he was just fine. fine. <laughs> he was just fine some of the time. But he made some costly turnovers, and he dribbled the offense into bad possessions even if it didn't result in a turnover. A lot of people on this team did that last year. Correct. So will Josh Fortune be starting at the three for a majority of the season? No, he can't play the three. He can't play the three. So, but Derek White can't. Yes. So either way, will he be starting at one of those wing positions for a majority of the season? No. 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 He, unless barring injury, no, because George King is better than him. He's more dynamic. Um, and Derek White is more talented than him and ultimately I think more skilled but also more consistent. Uh, it really comes down to injuries. Uh, do they need him to step into that role? I, I don't foresee it. Is it possible? Sure. You have a guy who can legitimately shoot on his catch and shoot 43% from three that is at best your sixth man. Maybe, depending on the end of the year, he could be your seventh or eighth man, depending on how things go. Uh, That's a great luxury, and you were talking about all the guys on the perimeter that are non-primary ball handlers that Tad has this year. It's a great luxury. Um, And even, honestly... Why that's so great is for what there is one guy on this team who should have the most efficient year of his career because of all those guys, and that is Xavier Johnson. There is no excuse for that kid to have an inefficient year to struggle because of the matchups that he's going to get are so darn favorable, theoretically, because of the wing players that this team has. Looking at the numbers from last year and two years ago, George King basically had the same stat line last year that Xavier Johnson had two years ago. And thinking about more it now. More points. Well, well around more this. more points. A few more points per game. Like it, four. What 40% my point is, more points. What my point is, is that with that knowledge and with George being in a better position last year than Xavier was two years yeah. ago, I think you can expect a healthy Xavier Johnson to have a big year because a guy like George King who plays a similar role, not the exact same, a similar role thrived in a similar offense last year that had all right, well I'll, dis- I'll disagree because this, because I Tad has made no no mistake about how he views these two guys. He views he views George as a three, sometimes a two, at worst case four, depending on foul trouble, lit with last year's group. The last since Xavier Johnson got to Boulder, Tad has always said XJ's best position is at the four. 
It was ne it was never even to Tad hates playing Xavier at the three because he can't guard shooting guards. But Xavier always wanted to play at he the three. He always wanted to play the three, and the only reason he was able to play the three that first year was be uh, the first two years because you had Wes and Josh. Well, you had Andre, but it really was Wes and Josh. And then when you had Sabatino give up his starting spot Shout for XJ, that changed things because then you had a more offensively dynamic lineup from the perimeter and you had got because Sab couldn't shoot from three. Sab really couldn't score consistently enough. So I, I think they're different in that way. I think they're going to be successful that you alluded to, Jake. I think they're going to have the same success that you think they will just for different reasons to them both individually. Am I the only one who's a little bit worried about Xavier Johnson? No, not at all. No. I, looking at him and uh, what I've seen from him in uh, the scrimmages and, and such as, he, uh, I think his lateral quickness still isn't there. He's always never been, he, he's never been the quickest, especially from a guy that wants to play the three. But, but he's had a great first step. But he's, you're right. And he doesn't have the same explosiveness right now that we've been used to over his career. And that's a little bit scary because that was his best characteristic is that his first step was nasty. How, I mean, my main thing with XJ is mentality. Um, it is really hard to lose a season of your career that you wanted to be your last, watch the team have that much success after you had demonized the year before. XJ was a big scapegoat. I, I'm not saying that he didn't have a part in it, but a lot of guys had a part in the disaster that the year before was. He was really probably looking forward to vindicating himself. He gets injured, and all of a sudden, a guy that was a year younger than him kind of passes him by in stardom, and you have Derek White come in he thought this was going to be his year. And I worry about mentally what his approach to the season and approach to, the, to practice on a, on a year-long basis and approach to game nights will be on a year-long basis. To further your point, it's not easy to come in with your recruiting class and see those guys leave and you not leave with them. I know it's hard for a guy like Xavier Johnson to see Josh Scott leave and know he didn't leave with him. Well, and, I mean, he's still got Wes, and Wes has Wes. been his right. best friend in that class from day one. No doubt. Uh, but I, I want to answer what you were saying with Plus, this. Plus, of course, he lost Eli. You can't lose Eli and just you know wake up the <laughs> next day and feel okay. Right, exactly. <laughs> Xavier Johnson, as of right now, November 9th, is the best leader on the Colorado Buffaloes. That he doesn't is. surprise me. He's wanted that role. I don't think he was always ready on a, in a, from a maturity standpoint, but he's wanted that role ever since Spencer went down. In fact, I have it on very good authority just a few nights later, or it might have been a few weeks later, but it was shortly after Spencer went down, there was a heated conversation between him and another member of that team about who, who's, whose team this was. Before the injury and now after the injury. He's no wanted that role. I th There's no excuse due to personnel why XJ can't have the best, most consistent and efficient year of his career. The only thing that will stand in his way is his mental approach to the game. Because I even believe if he's a step slow, XJ's strong, he's skilled enough that he can find impacts in an efficient manner. And he's tough. He's a tough-minded guy. Uh, he's emotional, which this team needs. 
But I think the big thing with him is emotions. Can you keep it in lock in terms of how you approach the game and the preparation? Last guy that's going to fill out the starting lineup is an easy guy at that center position is Wes Gordon. Is it easy? Uh, and, is it easy? And that's a good question to be asking yes. right now. Heard. Okay, word. Then we're done. <laughs> it's a little bit of a good question, I think, to be asking right now because I think Tad Boyle wants a little bit more out of Wes Gordon than what Story Wes Gordon of Wes provided. Gordon's career. And I would not be surprised to see Tory Miller, who has looked terrific, uh, get some nods over Wes Gordon at times because Tory Miller has done everything that Coach Boyle and the staff has asked of him. And Coach Boyle said this on Tuesday after practice that he is going to start to give nods at the start of the season to guys that really put in the work over the summer and did the things that were on their checklist. Here's my... Here's my issue with Tory Miller, and I think he's great talent. I mean, Will knows we both fell in love with him from one of the first times yep. or maybe the first time we ever saw him. You, you can't really teach basketball IQ, and the kid simply doesn't have it. Now, may you, now as you grow and mature, you start to learn the game a little more. I think everyone does every single year. But I think you're going to see Tad go with Wes Gordon because he just understands what they're trying to do a little more. You know, Tory Miller sometimes thinks just because I'm open, I need to shoot the ball. And you've seen him airball umpteen shots from the baseline because he just he's he there's no one guarding him. And he's just like I have to shoot this. Yep. Um, so he just needs to settle into his own a little bit. I think you will see that this year. I think he's going to be a very productive player for them, especially defensively, where they're going to need him. And they're going to need him to stay out of foul trouble because. They're going to rely on him to guard some big guys down there. He's been all right at staying out of foul trouble through his career. And I mean, look, we can talk about Boyle's frustrations with Wes all we want. Um, at the end of the day, on a team like this, you got to go with your most talented guy. Wes is a senior, redshirt senior. He's the most talented big man on this roster. When he puts it all, the most underrated player on the team. I think he's one of the most underrated players in the conference he's when he's on his game. He's the second best player on the team, in my opinion. But when when you consider how another guy that mentally has had his ups and downs in terms of aggressiveness and preparation and focus, you can't afford to not start him. But I think it's absolutely fair to criticize Wes Gordon for if, if it's beyond – if. Coach Boyle is really frustrated with him. I think it's perfectly reasonable to, to question him and criticize him for not stepping up and grabbing this team to be his. It's not his personality, but at some point, you got to make something out of what you got. No, uh, Bo I, Boyle criticized Andre his whole career for not being a leader. At some point, Tad needs to come to terms with the fact of who the player he brought in is. Wes was never that way before. He's not just going to become it. And so you need to – it's your job to bring in guys that can fill those roles because it's its just not in there. It's not in Dom's blood. It's not in Wes's blood. And you you can't manufacture that stuff. It's I, natural. I would agree that you can't manufacture it. And I, and I absolutely see your point that you've got to bring in guys to kind of supplement that voice. But at You need the, your Nate Tomlinsons of the world. But at the same time, if – I just have a hard time accepting and, – and I have been one of the great – I don't want to say apologists, but backers and supporters of of Wes's whole career and what he is and what he brings to the table. But at a certain point, you've got to have a guy take the next step. And maybe it's not verbally. It's not. Maybe it's not verbally. But it 
it needs to be in focus. You're growing up. You got to focus more. Maybe it has to be a step up in aggressiveness on the court because however much talent he has, his if step he has been on the defensive side of the ball. He's been great defensively since the moment since the moment he started playing high school basketball. But he's focused he focused in a lot more on the defensive end last year, I thought. Sure, but you got you got to ask for more. You do. Out of a senior, a fifth-year senior, you need to expect more and West can still be the most talented big man on the roster. He can still be the starter, but we can still criticize him for shortcomings like we would anybody else. Even because I'm just saying don't be surprised when you don't get it. Let me jump in here for a second. Wes is my guy. And I'm not trying to be down on Wes no, because I, know, I, know, I love I know, Wes I as a player. But don't be surprised when he's not the vocal leader. Don't be surprised when he does have three or four possessions where it looks like he's disinterested. That's just him. But I think – and, and Ryan, I, I was saying that too. Wes is my guy. I love Wes as a person and as a player. I think he's a great guy to have on your team. He's someone you want on your team, but he is a fifth-year senior. He is one of the leaders of this team, supposedly. And when they struggle offensively or defensively, it's going to be natural to lay the blame on him. Is it? I wouldn't. I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily blame him for any offensive team struggles i think it's fair to say damn it west we need you to be more aggressive offensively sure i just don't i don't think he's a guy that you lay the blame on this team when they struggle is going strict is going squarely on the point guards in my opinion i'll be honest with you i i this year if this team struggles offensively i'm looking i'm looking directly at the man sitting on the end of the bench um, and I, that's new for me. The equipment managers? <laughs> yes. Um, I, that's the, I have always been a guy who says, you know, Boyle has gotten so much more out of his guys than I think a lot of other people would. But at the end of the day, it, they are his guys. He brought them in. If you didn't recruit a guard that could beat out two guys that can't win you games at a consistent high level in terms of if the offensive struggles uh, continue this year, that's on you this year. You have an experienced team. You have no excuse of youth. Yeah, and I think we talked about this at the end of last season. We have defended Tad a lot yeah. throughout the years. This year is a little bit different. It's, it's, this is time. It's time to take the next step. And, again, I'm just going to say this right now. No, Tad Boyle is not, not getting fired for anything. <laughs> uh, so don't even bother with it. But – it is time to take the next step. It is time to win those games. It is time to finish top four in the conference. Like, that's on the table this year. You have to do it, in my opinion. I, I want to come back and talk I'll about ta- those I'll goals. I'll share my thoughts on that when we do predictions, but actually. But I, I want to focus in on this one last second. We've talked about the starting five. We've talked about some of the key players off the bench in Bryce Peters and Tory Miller and Josh Fortune. I want to mention two more guys that are going to be key off the bench this year or at least factor in some minutes. Deleon Brown and Lucas Seward. Both freshmen as well, or freshmen, freshmen as well. Uh, Deleon Brown, in my opinion, is the best defensive player in the backcourt. Uh, he has looked Doesn't very good. He is very consistent at that position. Tad Boyle is very impressed with him. I think Deleon Brown's going to play a lot more minutes than people think he's going to play right now. Lucas Seward, I think the only reason he's not redshirting is because they really just don't have another big man and it was going to come down to him or Dallas and it was it was an easy choice between him and Dallas because he's a lot further ahead in his progression as a basketball player offensively him and and Dallas so Boyle had a great quote 
uh, the other day, and I can't remember what outlet it was. Uh, it might have been BSN. It might not have been. So I don't want to uh, project. But Boyle made a comment about how there are some players that are really getting it ahead of others. And he's like, and there is one player who's just really not getting it. Talking about the defensive side of the ball. And I don't know if he was talking about Lucas, but my mind went right to Lucas. Uh, Here's the issue, dude. It, he's it, 6'10", and he weighs 200 pounds. Yeah. I, and so it, it wasn't Lucas. It was Dallas that day. Well, my mind went to Lucas anyway. But Here's the deal. He is He's 6'10 and 200 pounds. I, it says 221 on the roster. Don't buy it at all. He's not going to be able to defend the guys they want him to defend. Uh, he might be able to defend some slower wings, but he's not at a spot right now where he can defend other guys that are 6'10". Yeah. And so I think, maybe you bring him in as an offensive spark, but you know – once you bring him in, you're accepting a lull on the defensive right. end. He's a guy that's going to have a really good career at Colorado. I think he's got great upside, and he's a talented young man. He's got a little ways to go, and that's fine. With Brown, This is Colorado, and we've talked about this many times. At Colorado, you don't get guys yes. that are great when no, they come in the door. Yes, and that's fine because you could develop them. Because you know, Do you need him to be a lot better next year? Yes, but next year you've got a different team. It's going to be a different makeup. We can talk about that later, but I, I look at Brown. Brown's a guy who I wouldn't have said to redshirt. I think he, he's going to play a very similar playing time style of role to what Talton got his first year. I think Talton played more than 10 minutes four times. All It wasn't much. I, I can't remember what it was. Maybe after the Kansas game, he only played four times because I've never seen a young man so terrified with the ball in his hands. A uh, single game. I, I did. It was Eli Stalzer in that same game. No, because Stalzer looked like he was very much somewhere else. <laughs> All I remember was Elijah Johnson, I think it was, standing at half court, like down in the lowest defensive stance I've ever seen, clapping, ear-to-ear smile and laughing. As Talton's dribbling towards him, I said, oh, my God, this is terrifying. <laughs> but I think minutes-wise, Brown's going to play a similar role. I His role on the team is going to be different. I wouldn't expect to I – w- I, I'm not going to tell people to expect much from those guys, though. I, I think Brown's the guy that's going to have the biggest impact out of the freshmen. More so than Bryce Peters. Initially, at least. I need to see hmm. – here's the thing with Bryce Peters. is I think he has the athleticism and the explosiveness I've talked about earlier in the podcast. He needs to put it all together to give Tad Boyle a reason to trust him in terms of reliability. I think Tad Boyle trusts Deleon Brown today, and that's the reason why I say today Deleon Brown's going to have a bigger impact. Is right it now. because he has lower expectations for the role that Deleon Brown has to take? Right. He he doesn't ex- he's not he doesn't need Deleon Brown to dribble the ball. He basically just needs him to play D- three. And, and I D. think he wants Bryce to make plays. Right. right. Bryce, P- you're not going to change a basketball player that's fundamentally that player. And Bryce Peters is a guy that wants to be a star. He goes. Right, and that's great. That's going to be great for the future. But in terms of a freshman with a veteran team, I don't know that that necessarily works where Brown can fill a role and be really valuable in that role. I love that Bryce Peters. I remember Eskia's freshman year. That boy came in to try and get buckets. Yep. I love Bryce Peters from the sense that he has that star. Like The word I'm I'm finding right now is diva. It's not necessarily the right word, I don't think, but he has that star mentality where yeah. he wants to be a star. Even George King doesn't have that. Uh, Derek White doesn't have that. Nobody else on the Dom Collier XJ? doesn't have that. XJ had it. I think it's faded a little bit. Um, 
da uh, Bryce Peters has it. Like he Bryce Peters acts BMOC around campus. Let's exactly. Put it that way. And that, I've you seen need him around that. campus. You need and, that, in guys. And what I will say, one final point about Bryce Peters is we did a little video, <laughs> uh, Ali and I did, on BSN Denver that we'll be releasing Friday. Uh, I won't tell you what it is, but basically I, I played a little hoops with some of the basketball players. And in he terms of little. athleticism, Bryce Peters, by far and away, was the most impressive uh, in, in what we were doing in, in that competition. Well, I mean, as a freshman, you gotta you gotta make a name for yourself. He on wanted the, on to be anyways. on that camera so badly. Love I it. respect I love that. It. I respect I that every guy. You want it. You really it's do. Like, uh, last night, we did a cool thing that I also won't won't tell you too much about. But I spent some time with a player on the Broncos and Will Parks. Same way, you know, he's a rookie, just like Bryce Peters is a freshman. And he loves the spotlight. He loves, like, you know, he talks about how he loves Kanye, like things like that. I love seeing that in young players. We're going to come right back on the BSM Buffs podcast. We're going to give our season prediction as well as uh, talk about some of the bigger picture stuff like we started to broach on. At the end of that segment, we'll be right back on the other side of the BSM Buffs podcast. Euflora is the Apple store of cannabis with three locations, the biggest selection in the state, and a tech-driven shopping experience. Euflora is the only dispensary you need. Euflora has over 75 types of edibles, tinctures, topicals, and drinks, and they have over 20 strains of flour at all times. To see everything Euflora has to offer, go to EufloraColorado.com. That's EufloraColorado.com. When is the last time you went to the Rock Restaurant and Bar on Smoky Hill Road? With 69-cent wings on Mondays, trivia on Tuesdays, and $2 domestics during happy hour and weekends, the Rock Restaurant and Bar is the only choice when I'm in South Aurora. They're open 9 a.m. to 2 a.m. every day, making them a great place for a big breakfast, tasty lunch, or a nice dinner. The Rock is off of Smoky Hill Road, just a few blocks west of E-470. Find them online at therockrest.com. That's therockrest.com. Life Flower Dispensary on Leedsdale serves medical and recreational until midnight. We are a one-stop shop and have something for everyone. Whether you're a smoker or prefer to use topical treatments for severe pain, we carry a huge variety of edibles, infused sodas, concentrates, flour, and we even carry glass too. Check out our menu at weedmax.com for specific strains and price details. Life Flower Dispensary. Open 8 a.m. to 12 a.m. Monday through Sunday. Mention BSN Denver and get 15% off your Back entire Back on the BSN Buffs podcast one final time. Give you our predictions. Uh, talk a little bit about the head coach, uh, Tab Boyle. Uh, Will, I cut you off a little bit at the end of the last segment. I want to start there in terms of you saying it starts and ends with the guy at the end of the bench this year and Tab Boyle because this team is a talented team. There are no... There are, the expectations for this team are warranted, and this team can truly reach some of those expectations that even the loftiest and biggest goals that the fans have set for them. Look, I want to make sure that people understand there's a difference between a coach having a bad year and people saying that he underachieved and being on the hot seat. There are two very, very different things, okay? Uh, you need to understand that. Coaches at better programs, quote-unquote better coaches at better programs, have had bad years, and they stick around to see it through. And if they never get out of it, they get fired. That's how college basketball works. This is not college football where you get three years to turn around a program. You get oftentimes 10 to turn it, turn around a program if you've made a couple NCAAs. So I want to make that clear first. Missing the NCAA tournament this year is a failure beyond measure. This team should, there should be no question. That's my number one thing. 
the offense needs to continue to take strides forward that it did last year. The defense has a long way to go. I know that. But at the end of the day, my expectations for this team are clear. Find a way to put yourself in a position to get out of the, out of the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. If you're a 12 seed, you upset your first round and you lose a heartbreaker in the second round, to me, that's you're in a position to get to the second weekend. If you're a four seed and you lose your first game as an upset, that's a failure to me this year. I, and, I, and I am the biggest preacher of the NCAA tournament being anybody's guess. It's a crapshoot, matchups or everything. I get it. But at a certain point, you do have the veteran team. Next year is a huge reboot for this program in many, way, many more ways than one. This is the year that I want to see them take that next step that you alluded to, Ryan. I see something around 22 regular season wins uh, at maybe best, quite frankly. But I think at the end of the year, they're going to be playing their best basketball. That's out. You lose three games in the non-conference. You, move, you lose six in conference. You lose seven in conference. But your wins are good enough. And you find a way to make your way into the title or the NCAA tournament game and you are playing your best basketball, okay. You've got a lot of weird pieces this year. If you flame out, if you're playing your best basketball in January and you stop getting better, that's even if you make the tournament, that's a huge red, red flag for this unit, this team, this year, this staff, this year. Here's the thing for me is, like, I don't know, <clears throat> I don't know where to put, like, put this because – I'm saying I can say that they have to do these things, but there's not like any repercussions if they don't. There's because not. again, there's Tad Boyle is not getting fired. I, I, they could honestly lose every game, and I don't think that's happening. Now, that's not going to happen, so <laughs> you don't have to worry about. It. But this—it's hard for me to put things on the NCAA tournament because, like you said, anything can happen. It's so crazy. I mean, they could be a two seed and get beat by a 15. Things happen. What I want to see is that top four finish in the Pac-12. The fact that it's still eluded them every single season, is uh, it's just a little concerning to me. It shows me that there's a ceiling sitting over them right now and that they haven't broken through. This is the year where you need to break through that. And I think if you are fourth or better in this conference, you are going to get a seed that allows you, like you said, sets you up to play in the second weekend in the NCAA tournament. So... You got to do. You have to win those late season games that like they've had an opportunity to every year, where you get that first round bye in the Pac-12 tournament. It's just it's another feather in the cap that I think Tad Boyle needs this year yeah. because his hat has had the same feathers in it for a little bit now, and it's time to put another one in it. There are two teams that I say are definitely right now in my mind in this conference better than the Colorado Buffaloes, Oregon, Oregon, and I. I'm almost hesitant to say Arizona. Arizona, yep. Because it looks like they're going to be without Alonzo Trier this year due to eligibility questions. That's a huge loss, but this is still a team with multiple NBA draft picks I guess he's on not roster. A, he's not a Trier after all when it comes to class. A trier? Yeah, that's what I was yeah. going for. <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, UCLA is the huge question mark. They are the most talented team in the conference, in my mind. UCLA is. We will see how they are because they are always a wait and see 
Hunter Alford. Washington is great up top. They have, in my mind, the guy who, if they finish sixth or better, is the favorite for conference player of the year, even above Dylan Brooks and Markel Fultz. He's a monster. He is so That's good. a top three NBA draft pick. That's what they look like, folks. Markel Fultz. That is what they look Fultz. like. He's legit. <laughs> He's legit. So, I mean, Cal, I think, is the most overrated team in the conference right now. But this is a year where you should be able to finish top four. I agree. I just I don't necessarily need to see that as much as I want to see what kind of ball they're playing at the end of the year. Yeah, it, it's just to me, it's a more measurable thing than the NCAA of course, tournament of course it because is. Of course it is. that shows you and where, I, you know, there's enough games to the sample size is there. That's, that's a real measure of how good a team was is where they finished the when I wrote my piece, uh, what was it, last spring after CU lost, saying that some fans don't deserve Tad Boyle, I said the measure of a coach is where he stands in his conference. Yes. Among people like him. And I just don't necessarily see, say that I need to see him finish top four. They finish six, and I'm concerned. But they finish up fifth again, you know, ish happens. I didn't explicitly say this in my preview, but I think they're going to win less games this year than they did last year. Uh, but I think they're going to be, be a better team come February. I think last year's team quietly flattened out a little bit uh, in the second half of the season. Hey, well, they regressed. What was the their meeting. record pre-Pac-12 tournament? 21-9? Uh, 21 and 21 and. 21 and uh, uh, 10. 21 and 10. And then they lost in the tournament and in the Pac-12 tournament. So they went, ended up 22 and 2, or 22 and 12. Gotcha. Uh, but I think this year's team's going to win 20 to 21 games. I think even though the non-conference schedule might not look as good as on RPI, those big-name matchups are going to hurt the Buffs. I, I think they're going to struggle to win those. And to I don't me, think they're, they're going to help them in the RPI. They're going they're to help, help them in the, the RPI. RPI, no doubt. To I, me, I think the I'm biggest question games. for me is can Tad Boyle, one, take care of home court again like he did last year, except for that Utah game, which still bothers him. Every home game he's ever lost bothers him. Yep. And two, can they consistently win on the road in the Pac-12 conference? That remains to be one of the biggest questions about this team. And that, to me, is the step from good to great or fifth team in the conference to a top four team in the conference. I'm going 22-8 and eight going into the going – into I think you're missing a game there. 31 games. It should be 30. Even with the extra game. 18 in conference. They have 12 non-conference this year, right? One. I thought they had 13. They Come have on. 12 non-conference. Okay. All right. So, yeah. So, I've got them at 22 and 8. I've got them at uh, finishing fourth in the conference with that. Um, I've got them at 1-1 one and one in the Pac-12. They've ne – I – yeah. So you I've think they go to the Pac-12 semifinals? Yeah. So yeah. Book your flight now back home to Denver Saturday morning or Friday night. So I just no, don't stay drive. In Vegas. Just stay don't in drive. Definitely don't drive. Whatever you do. So I've got them at twenty-three and nine going into the NCAA tournament. There's, you're lucky there's they, still this podcast. Let's put it that way. Do not drive, or if you have a podcast, you might not have a podcast. That's real. Seriously. Twenty-five and it ten was close. end of year. I think they make the Sweet Sixteen, but lose in the Sweet Sixteen. 25 and 10. I'm not going that far. I'm not go getting into those uh, postseason I'm going games. all the way. But, but 22 I, have them at, feels I have them at 21 and 10 in the regular season. You mean 21 and 9 or 20 and 10? They have 30 games. <laughs> 21 and 9. <laughs> okay. And How many do they lose in non-conference? Three. 
Oh, so they, they gel in conference play then. Gotcha. Yes. I've got the exact same prediction as him. I've got him at two losses. Um, I've got him 12 and 6 in Pac 12. I really think they can do that. So, where, uh, what are this, what's the loss that you have that I have? What's the loss so that I have? So, Xavier. I've got Xavier as, as a loss. loss. Same. Um, I've got. Notre Dame? No, I've got. I, I think they're going to play Texas. Oh, you know what? It's 31 because I didn't count Texas. I didn't count that game because it's not on the I ESPN was right. I've, That's what I I've been counting wrong. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. So, yeah, 21 and 10. Oh, is it one of those tournaments where you play the teams that's, at home? Yeah, that's right. what I was trying to explain That's why to you get the extra game. Guys. Okay, okay. That's what I was okay, trying yeah. to explain. So, okay, so I've got them at – so then I would have them at what, 23 <laughs> and 8. And by so the end of the season, 26. 26 and 10. That's a br- that's a really that's good a dream year. season. That's, so uh, so I have be them, writing a book about that one, Waylon. I have ten losses is. I have them a losing lot. to Notre Dame, winning the second half of that, which I assume Notre Dame's against, kind of meh. against Northwestern, and I have them losing to Xavier. You have them. I've losing, got them beating BYU. So you have them losing. Same. You said they lose three in the non-conference. Yeah, game. who's the third? BYU. That's a yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a scary it's at BYU. game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I had. That's there. a tough place to play too. I think that's the game where I think they ball out that game because you don't have to guard anybody when you go to BYU because they don't guard anybody. So it's going to be 130 to 120. Uh, here's I, my question: Do they crack the top 25 at some point? I, I think they will in conference. I honestly thought they were going to be a preseason top 25 team, just based off of. How high John Rothstein's uh, tweets had them. A lot of people. BYU the is mid-December. BYU is December. 10th. Yeah, so it's after the Xavier game. Yep. Seventh the and then the tenth. I think they have a chance to get ranked heading into Xavier, depending on how they do in Brooklyn. Because I have them. Of they have to be undefeated heading into Xavier. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. It depends how they do in Xavier. Because if you're ranked going into Xavier, and you perform well, you can stay ranked, losing to a top five team. Yeah. That's gonna be that's gonna be a fun one at the Coors Event Center. I'm Bowl. missing it. That's I'm sucks. gone. I'm Bye. gone for that game. <laughs> Bye. Bye. So yeah, that I, that's my prediction. I I'm going top four finish. Uh, I think they're gonna be struggling at time. They're gonna show a lot of flashes in non-conference. Second half of conference play with all those home games, or is it the other way? No, this year they finish they strong finish, at, they home. Finish at home. Huge at home. Yeah, three so in a row. I think they're gonna hit their stride. Second half of conference. I'm gonna say this. I can guarantee this. Heading into those three games, they will have a chance to secure a top four seed in the conference. I agree. There is an 18-day stretch this year where there are two home football games, Washington State and Utah. Both are going to be ranked. The Pac-12 championship game if the Buffs reach there. The Colorado State home basketball game, Xavier at home, and at BYU for basketball. Wow. There's a stretch of unbelievable sports coming up, Buffs fans. So just be ready. Boulder is super dope. And we're going to keep you tuned in. uh, In All in the Know here on the BSN Buffs podcast. Uh, He is Will Whalen. He is Ryan Koningsberg. I'm Jake Shapiro. Make sure you follow all of our content on bsnbuffs.com. We're going to have more basketball stuff all season long. Go buy some shirts at Lake Street Tavern. They're super dope. Dope shirts here. We're at the Lake Street Tavern. Yeah, and check out uh, the game here on Saturday. I'm going to be here. Ralphie will be here. I'm going to definitely be here. It's going to be in. Which is actually a bummer. Will's Bay and Will's other Bay will be here. 
my two bays. And Tyler Bay. Tyler Bay. With the buffs. Uh, by the way, since we're talking about the way. well done, Boyle. Well done, Boyle. All right. That's going to wrap up the BFF podcast. We'll see you Why you want to go flex like you all in the mix, like you got some shit popping off? I got some models that you see up in the movies, and they want to make a flick for the camera. Yeah? Want to be Kim Kardashian. Hey, heard I was.